Well, this is Palm Sunday, and I want to preach about that today. Let's read today from John chapter 12. If you have your Bible there at home, hopefully you do. hope you've got several Bibles at home. I hope you have a big family Bible. How many grew up with a big family Bible? You know, the, the big old white one like this? Like, we had the one where it was a, like a hologram on the front, and the, if you turned it, Jesus would go from the cross to the resurrection. Like, here... Like that. So I hope you open up your big family Bible, get your device out, turn to John chapter 12, and here's what it says. A large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, and they came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Have you ever asked yourself, why did Jesus let Lazarus die? Lazarus, the Bible tells us, was one of his best friends. Why did Jesus let him die? Matter of fact, the scripture tells us that Jesus took his time. After he heard that Lazarus was sick, he took his time getting there. And when he shows up, Mary and Martha both look at him and say, Jesus, if you had been here, he would not have died. Actually, Jesus didn't even have to be there to heal him. There are several times in the Bible that Jesus would heal people not even touching them. He would just say, go, your faith has made them. They're healed. You go home and everything is taken care of. So why did Jesus let Lazarus die? Why did he let his dear friend? Here's why. A large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Jesus allowed Lazarus to die so that he could raise him from the dead so that he could get a large crowd together for his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Do you know that there are times that Jesus will allow things to happen in our life just to give him glory? He's going to do whatever it takes in our life for him to get the glory. You know, we're called to do the same. You and I are called to do that exact thing. God, whatever you want to do in my life, do it if it gives you glory. Let's continue on. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Y'all know this is, this is just wrong. This is just wrong. They made plans to kill not only Jesus, but Lazarus. And all Lazarus had done was get resurrected. That's it. He'd done nothing wrong. And you know he didn't want to be resurrected. Can you imagine being Lazarus and you finally get to heaven and then you're hanging out with David and Abraham and Rachel and all of a sudden you hear this voice, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, man, really? But he came back and the reason Jesus did every bit of this was so he could get a large crowd together for his triumphant entry. And I believe that what we're walking through right now with this quarantine and the, and the COVID-19 I believe that somehow God's going to use it to get a large crowd together for his glory. Come on, can I hear an amen on that one? And then the next thing says, Jesus' triumph and enter. I'm not sure what translation you're reading from. I'm in the NIV today. And it says, Jesus' triumphant entry. And then it goes on. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Palm branches, Hosanna, this is why this is named Palm Sunday. Look how they received him. First of all, they shouted, 
Hosanna. Come on, say that with me. Everybody say Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna has two meanings. And I didn't realize this until during my message prep this week. Hosanna has two meanings. The first meaning is this. Save, please. That's the number one. Would you save us, please? The second meaning is this. Salvation, thank you. So Hosanna means this. God, please save us and thank you for salvation. So in other words, Hosanna is a plea and a praise. In the Old Testament, it was a plea. But on Palm Sunday, it became a praise by faith. And isn't this right where we are as a nation, as a world? Don't you think we need to be saying, God, please save us and thank you for salvation? I would encourage you to put Hosanna as part of your language during your prayer time. Make Hosanna part of your language as you're just walking around the house. Find ways to get the word Hosanna into your verbiage. Because when you say Hosanna, you're saying, God, we need to be saved. And at the same time, you're thanking him for that salvation by faith. The next thing they said was, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In other words, Jesus was coming in his Father's authority. Everything he was doing had the stamp of approval by the Father on it. I love this. Jesus said many times, I don't do anything that's not that my Father hasn't given me permission to do. Everything I do is all about the will of God. But do you notice after his death, burial, and resurrection, God gives Jesus a name that is above na- all names. God gives Jesus all power and authority. Think now when we pray and we, we act, we do everything in the name of Jesus. This is what this is talking about. This one who's coming is coming in the name of of God. And now you and I as believers, everything we do when we do it in Jesus' name, it has the same stamp of approval as Jesus had. Look how they welcomed him. They waved palm branches. So those of you that ran out in the yard and cut a tree down, this would be your time to start waving that branch back and forth, all right? They waved palm branches. Now what is the significance of a palm? You find that they were a sacred symbol in Israel. They were on all the coins. You find them on a lot of pottery. A palm was also a sign of abundance. It was a sign of wealth. It was a sign of security. It was symbolic of beauty, righteousness, strength, peace, victory, triumph. That's what a a palm was. So when they went and cut down palm trees and they brought them out, what they were saying was, this is an abundant time. This is going to be a wealthy time. We're now going to be a people of security. Now remember, they were under Roman rule, so they did not feel abundant. They didn't feel secure. They didn't have peace. They didn't have victory. They didn't have triumph. But when Jesus shows up, they came out with these palm branches and began to wave them back and forth by faith saying, now things are about to change. A palm branch was also awarded, 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 A palm branch was also awarded to an athlete that had victory or that was triumphant. So waving palm branches was a custom after a victory. But I want to ask you this question. What victory? There had been no victory yet. He had not yet defeated death and the grave. So why is this even called a triumphant entry? Why does it have that headline? 
There's really nothing triumphant about him. No battle has been won about, about this situation. No battle has been won. Nobody's surrendered. Jesus has just showed up on the scene. And I mean, look how he showed up, riding on a donkey. How untriumphant is that? Just coming in on a donkey. You know why he came on a donkey? It was to fulfill a prophecy that's found in the book of Zechariah 9. And it says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteous, victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is not detailing what he would do. This is describing who he was. Righteous, victorious, lowly, humble. So why all of the praise? I'm going to tell you why. Because he had shown up. That's why. After all of these years of waiting and the fact that he showed up was worth their praise. Before he ever did anything, before he hung on a cross, before he resurrected, the fact that he showed up, whether he did anything or not, he was there. And I'm telling you, I believe this is reason enough for us to praise him. Even before the battle is won, even before COVID-19 subsides, right here, right now, Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us, ladies and gentlemen. That's worth us celebrating. Some of you may not feel like he's with you. I'm telling you, he is. And if you'll just listen closely, you'll hear that still small voice. If you just lean in a little bit, you'll feel that precious comfort of the Holy Spirit. I want to leave John for just a moment, and I want to go to the book of Matthew. John is by far my favorite gospel. I'm going to tell you right now. And yes, it's because my name is John. But Matthew is okay as well. So let's jump to Matthew. Matthew is going to tell us a different viewpoint. If you ever want to understand how the Gospels are laid out, it would be like, it would be like uh, four people standing around and seeing a situation and each of them going and writing it. They're all describing it from a different viewpoint. They, they have a different perception of it. And so I love Matthew. I love how Matthew says this. The same triumphant entry, and it says this, Matthew 21 and 8. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut down branches from the trees, that would be palm branches, and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. In Galilee. Now we talked a moment ago about the significance of the palms. For a few minutes, let's talk about the significance of the cloaks. Why would they bring their coats and their cloaks and, and lay them on the ground in front of him? Where your cloak was a sign of your status. So what you wore in those days would tell people right away if you were regal, if you were royal. They would tell people if you were rich, if you were poor, if you were a beggar, if you were a leper. And so by laying down their palm branches, they were laying down all of their achievements and their accomplishments at his feet because it was a sign of wealth and abundance. So when they took those palm branches and they laid them down, they were laying down their achievements and their accomplishments. And by laying down their cloaks, they were laying down their reputations. Whether they were good 
or bad, whether they have success, failure, or mistakes. You see, waving the branches was praise, but laying down the branches and the cloaks was worship. Praise is always about lifting up. Worship is always about bowing down, laying down. I want to encourage you during this season to become someone that gives God praise before victory, that we praise Him right now because of who He is and because He's with us. But I also want to encourage you to be a worshiper. Be willing to lay some things down. Lay down your achievements. Lay down your ambition. Lay down your pride. Maybe it's your tradition today you need to lay down. Your bitterness, your anger. What about your agenda, your plans, your ideas, your dreams? You have dreams and goals that this entire quarantine and this, this outbreak has, has messed it all up. And you're anxious about it. And Man, I was just getting on a roll and here it comes again. And I'm not going to hit my goals and my quota. Lay it down. Lay down your fear. Lay down your sin. Lay down yourself. That is the ultimate act of worship. When you can take the good, the bad, the ugly, the great and the gruesome, and you can lay it down at his feet. That's power. I have people tell me sometimes, you know, I wasn't raised around a, 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 you know, a life-giving church, and I don't really know how to, how to praise or how to worship. I'm going to tell you the greatest, here's how you do it. Here's how you, lay down. Just lay down. Just start right there. And look what happened. Matthew 21 and 10. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Ladies and gentlemen, our praise and worship can move a city. We've always said that we want to be a church that doesn't just impact the people that come to our church and just the community. We want to be a church that impacts our city. How do we do that? Praise and worship. Praise and worship can move a city. Look, it moved it so much so that John 12 and 9 says this, the Pharisees therefore said to themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. I love this. All he did was come in and move a city, but to them, it looked like he had moved the world. You see, praise and worship changes your perspective and also changes the perspective of your enemy. I believe that there are going to be people that are going to come to know the Lord during this time just because of our praise and worship and how it moves the city. And I'm believing the entire world is going to go after him. Come on, amen on that one. I'm believing the entire world is going to come after him. And the same thing that happened when he rode into Jerusalem is the same thing that's going to happen in the new Jerusalem that we call heaven. Look at this, what the scripture says in Revelation 7 and 9. I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. Y'all, this is when we're in heaven. And watch what it says. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hand. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. I do not know how long all of this is going to last. I don't know when COVID is going to go away. I do not know when, when the economy is going to come back. But I just read you the back of the book, ladies and gentlemen. And here's what we know. He wins. And that means if he wins, we win. 
I want you to get your, I want, I want you to, the Bible talks about throwing off, uh, throwing off a garment of heaviness and putting on a garment of praise. I want to encourage you in the next several days to do that. When you feel depressed and sad and angry and upset, why don't you take that coat off and put on a coat of praise? Why don't you become a person that says, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. I, I don't know, but I trust you as my God. And I want to praise you, number one, for showing up. And I want to worship you for who you are. Let's start praising him before the victory, before the miracles, before we get to heaven, before the pandemic is over, before the economy bounces back, before your marriage is better, before the kids come back to God, before you get a job, before you have all the answers, before we all get back together and worship as a church. Why don't we make up our mind that we're going to praise him right here and right now? just because he showed up. I hope you feel the presence of the Lord. We're feeling it right here in the studio. I thank God for this time. I thank God for this day. I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to portray as the pastor of the hills? And he just said, I want you to encourage them to worship me. Encourage them to praise me. And I'm telling you, If you can get an attitude of praise and worship, you will not be able to keep Jesus away. He runs to worship. He runs to praise. So today, why don't you just fall at his feet? Why don't you lay everything down? Ask him to be Lord of your life. Let me pray for you right now. I thank you, Lord, for every single person that's watching, every single person that's listening. I thank you, God, that your hedge of protection it's upon them. And I believe that. I thank you, Lord, that you're, you're going to keep them safe. I thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. I thank you, God, that in the midst of all of this turmoil and, and sickness and death, that you're still God. You're still a healer. You're still a protector. And I'm praying for that in Jesus' name. Help us to be people that don't dance and shout only when there's victory. But God, help us to be the kind of people that praise and worship with faith. I thank you for that. I pray for comfort of the Holy Spirit on every single person that's watching now. I pray, God, that our time with our family when we're quarantined would not make us bitter, but it would make us better. I thank you, God, that instead of arguments, we're going to have good, honest, open conversations. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. How about those of you today that want to establish or maybe reestablish your relationship with Jesus? You can do it right here. The scripture tells us that here's how it happens. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you're saved. He's going to save you. So why don't you do that today? Just pray a prayer. I'd love for you to join me right there where you are. Just say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus... Thank you for your death, your burial, your resurrection. Thank you for the victory that you have and that you've given me. I confess that I am not good on my own. And so today I am bowing before you. I'm asking for you to take my cloaks, take my branches. They're yours. And in return, I accept your love. I accept your grace. I accept your Holy Spirit. Help me to live an overcoming, abundant, and everlasting life with you. 
forever and ever. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, say amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these folks that prayed that prayer. Amen. Praise God.